Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Bacteria are all around us, and these little things have a big impact on our world. From harnessing bacteria to help us fight against antibacterial resistance in antibiotics, to new ways to form plastics with the help of bacteria. Plus, an unusual way that bacteria around acne can actually be really helpful to your life. Bacteria are all around us, and it might be hard to see or think about, but bacteria plays a fundamental role in shaping pretty much all life that we know of, and it's a fascinating area for a lot of different types of research. Now, Treatment often is fighting against the negative results of some type of bacterial infection or interaction. But there's a way we can turn this around and make it work for us. And that's some of the work being published out of the Rutgers School of Dental Medicine. We know about antibiotics, and antibiotics is effectively a tame form of an antimicrobial, basically, cell. And they basically act as antibacterials. They kill off any bacteria. And that's great because it helps us fight infection. And thanks to the wonders of antibiotics since 1928, we've been fighting off and reducing the impacts of infection for years. The problem is that the use of antibiotics has led to the bacteria that they're fighting, fighting back, and leading to, obviously, an inevitable arms race. And you've probably heard a lot from the government down across the world about antibiotic resistance and how much of a problem it can be. And we've spoken that about a few times on this show. But a new approach out of Rutgers is actually using predatory bacteria to its advantage to attack things that are multi-drug resistant to antibiotics already. So multi-drug resistant bacteria are basically bacteria that have some defense against most of the antibiotics we can use, and it is a huge problem. So researchers are tackling strange and unusual ways to fight back in this never-ending arms race. There is a concept in biology called a predatory bacteria. Now, typically, bacteria will invade uh, a cell and then sort of take it over and then reproduce from that way. But a predatory bacteria actually waits for their prey to finish their life cycle first, and then they attach to it on the outside and suck the cells dry. Now, this has a useful advantage if you want to actually fight another type of bacteria, and that's what these researchers have looked at. By using the Bidello Vibrio bacteria virus, what they've actually done is got this virus cell to attack a microbial prey cell and then secrete enzymes that break down that cell and then basically gobble up the then three flea-floating proteins and nucleic acids for its own food. Much in the same way as like it's basically a, a vampire breaking down the walls of the bacteria that it's attacking and feeding on it. And to test this out, what the lead researcher on this paper, Dr. Daniel Kaduri from Rutgers School of Dental Medicine did, was infect a whole bunch of rats and other cells with a non-lethal level of pneumonia bacteria. So basically introduced a bacterial infection into the lungs of these rats, which is fine, so that would enable them to study the impact. So what they then did was put in multiple doses of the predatory bacteria, Bidello Vibrio, and then observed the results. Now, this predatory bacteria was able to reduce the amount of pneumonia by more than 99.9% in the lungs of the rats. And 
This predatory bacteria was harmless to the rat. There were no adverse effects to the animal, and there was no type of histological or tissue damage or sustained inflammation to the lungs of the rats. In fact, the rats were pretty much perfectly healthy. We need to study a bit more whether or not this has long-term or sustained damage or impact effects on the health of the rats. But on the surface, this type of predatory bacteria approach could be a really very smart and very efficient way of tackling antibiotic resistance. If bacteria become resistant to your treatment drug methods, then why not harness other bacteria to prey specifically on that dangerous bacteria that we want to combat? Or maybe we use it in a combination where the first punch is delivered by the predatory bacteria and then the antibiotics can strike once the bacteria is already weakened from the predatory bacteria. And then that combination can be lead to support and let our natural immune system get to work. And this is some of the interesting ways that scientists are looking at tackling the problem of antibiotic resistance with new and novel techniques. Now, being a teenager has a lot of problems. Of course, there's the pressures of school, study, family life, forming an identity, coming to terms with your gender and sexuality, along with another other general teething issues of growing up and becoming a fully-fledged adult. One of the things that really doesn't help with all of that situation is, of course, acne. Now, acne can be the bane of your existence, or it can be something that is mildly inconveniencing. It depends on really how much you're struck by it. But researchers from Lund University in Sweden have actually found that there's a healthy benefit hiding in acne in the form of a particular type of bacteria that actually not only helps us, but protects against disease. Now, there's a lot of bacteria floating on the surface of our bodies, on our skin, our largest organ of our bodies. And some of that bacteria secrete a protein, which actually protects us from reactive oxygen species of bacteria that can lead to skin disease. And this protein has a very strong effect on tackling dangerous oxygen species. This particular skin bacterium is known as Probionbacterium acnes. Because, in fact, this bacterium was first discovered on patients with severe acne. It's not sure whether or not this bacteria is actually connected to the cause of acne, or maybe it's just present in places with a lot of acne. But nevertheless, the acne bacteria secretes a protein called ROXP. And this protein actually acts as a shield, a barrier, and prevents what is known as oxidative stress a condition where reactive oxygen species basically damage the cells on the skin. Now, a common cause of oxidative stress on skin is actually UV radiation from the sun. Now, the bacteria actually has this protein because it actually helps the bacteria survive on our skin. But in the process, the bacterium actually improve its living environment by secreting more and more ROXP. But the act of trying to keep itself alive actually really helps out our skin. So the work of this bacteria secreting this protein actually benefits both them 
and the human host, which is playing host to this bacteria. Oxidative stress is basically believed to be a key contributing factor to several skin diseases such as atopic dermatitis, psoriasis, and skin cancer. And since propylene bacterium acnes is so common and it's present in people with both healthy individuals and people with skin diseases, it means that by encouraging more of this bacterium to exist and helping it grow, we can actually help build up people's natural defenses against some of these diseases. The researcher Rolf Lud from Lund University in Sweden actually now has to do more further studies on both patients and laboratory animals to try and isolate and check its defenses against other methods. It could also be used to study things like basal cell carcinoma, which is a, a precancerous condition, and other characteristics type groups. And he can check the patient's skins against the control group and see how much help this is managing to provide. But it's really interesting because this also could lead to the inclusion of the ROXP protein, the protein secreted by this bacteria, into sunscreen, or perhaps in a cream for the use of the treatment of psoriasis or atopic dermatitis. So let alone this just helping out this bacteria just living on our cells, we can also then start to use the protein that it's producing in other treatments as well. The end result is we have now, thanks to some bacteria living on our acne, we actually now have a better treatment for a number of skin-based diseases. Plastic is all around us, and it forms an integral part of our modern world. But one of the problems with plastic, aside from the fact that it uses oil as its base ingredient, is that it is actually a really complicated process to produce the long polymer chains that make up plastic. And these long polymer chains, not only being difficult to produce, are also difficult to break down. And that's one of the big environmental challenges about plastic. It's really rigid, sturdy, and lives a long time. But when you have waste, that makes it actually very, very difficult to look after and maintain. And yes, you can melt down and recycle and repurpose plastics, but not all plastics can be easily recycled. Now, researchers from MIT have actually determined a bacterial type of enzyme that can help us in our fight to make plastics more recyclable. Now, this work out of MIT has actually been pushed forward really strongly by a graduate student by the name of Elizabeth Weddenborn, working together with her two professors, Catherine Drennan and Joanne Stoop, both experts in chemistry and professors in chemistry at MIT University. At its core, the idea is to take a bio... At its core, the idea is to take a bacterial enzyme that can generate long, complicated polymer chains that can go on to form either hard or soft plastics, depending on the starting source material you give to these enzymes. Now, by adapting, changing, and engineering the enzyme structure, you can vary the polymer's composition and size, which in reality changes the composition, material properties, features of the plastic formed out of these polymers. Now, the beneficial part here is unlike conventional plastics formed from petroleum products, this would actually be a biodegradable process, which for recycling is super important. So how does it work? 
At, the, at its core, they're using the bacterial enzyme polyhydroalkylonate PHA, which is a synthesized found in nearly all bacteria. And it produces large polymers that can store carbon when food is scarce. For example, the bacterium Cupria vidus necto can store about 85% of its dry weight inside these long polymer chains. It's a good, they use it as effectively a pantry where they can store food for when they need it. Now, the enzyme itself produces different types of polymers depending on the starting material. And normally, one of the numerous variants of a molecule called hydroxyl coenzyme A, where the term axyl refers to the variable chemical group that helps produce the polymer's different properties. Some of the end properties we would form would be the hard plastics, but others would be softer, more flexible elastomer type plastics, like rubber. Now, PHA synthase can actually be really, really useful for chemists and chemical engineers because you can basically be, build really, really long chains strung together of about 30,000 subunits, which they called monomers, in a precise and engineered way. And the benefit of that is that it makes these huge polymer chains, bigger than what humans can make other ways. And they all have a uniform molecular weight and, prop and properties, which basically helps when you have a polymer. Now, this has been a known structure for many years now with a lot of detailed research behind it. In fact, the two professors in this study are the, sort of some experts in this field. But it's been very difficult to crystallize. And the problem, if you can't crystallize the proteins in this polymer chain, you can't put it into an X-ray crystallography and study it. So it's really one of those hard issues where we've got this big complicated thing, but it's very hard to look inside. And fortunately now, we've managed to try and crack that process by some other researchers, such as Marco Jost and Weifeng Wei from MIT, who sort of cracked how to crystallize it and study it. Once they had this in crystallized form, Wittenborn could actually start to analyze the, the structural data and come up with new methods. And now that they have the structure and they can visualize it, they can start to get into important details, such as identifying in this enzyme where the entry and exit points are for the channel which forms the polymer. And that's very, very important because once you understand these, this way this enzyme is forming the polymer, you can start to modify it, adjust it, and begin to make better use of it to make, potentially, polymers based on compositions that you're particularly after. For example, based on this research, biomedical companies should be able to use this PHA synthase to make cost-efficient medical use polymers, which are low-cost than conventional plastics, but also biodegradable, so a lot more safer. The other benefit of now mapping the way in which this structure works and the pathways is that you can actually really get into messing around with new source materials and new processes that we couldn't before because we just didn't know how it worked. In fact, for the last 20 years, researchers have been trying to figure out what on earth is going on with this polymer chain. And now we finally cracked it. So now we can get to work and looking at this bacterium enzyme and how it could be helpfully harnessed to form new and beneficial polymers for the world and reducing our dependent on all based plastics. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. 
bacteria to help us make new plastics, plus bacteria to help us fight antibacterial resistance, and bacteria that can help us have healthier skin and avoid skin disease. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.